With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Turn on the Jets post-game report. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Joined as always to wrap up this game, a barn burner at MetLife Stadium. The Jets losing it 44-38 in overtime with Daryl Slater, the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media. Daryl, this was a thriller down to the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. It was uh, you know, certainly an eventful game. Sam Donald played really well. And everyone just gets to the edge in the end. But, uh, I mean, the Jets are certainly finding interesting ways to lose and entertaining ways to lose along the way and, and doing some good things along the way. But it's the same old story with their defense wilting again. And uh, the same story still last week. You know, Sam Donald played well, Jeff lose. So two weeks in a row, Jeff can't get what they want in terms of uh, developing the draft position and also having to talk about Donald. And that's really what's important to most Jets fans at this point, is how well Sam Darnold plays. And he was outstanding today. He wasn't happy with his own performance, though, however, because at the end of the day, he said it was all about wins and losses. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you kind of expect him, uh, expect the guy to say. But I mean, he just, objectively, he set season highs and yards and, uh, quarterback rating and it was his three touchdowns, no interceptions. First time he got back-to-back games with no picks. I think it was his fourth overall game with no picks. So he's had interception issues throughout the year, but looks great in that department today. Did a lot of really good things and uh, making quick decisions. And so a lot to like, no doubt, about about how he performed in this game. Uh, guys after a in the game, uh, in the locker room after the game, were, were praising him again, talking about Jermaine Kerr saying that he thinks Arnold's going to be a star. And, uh, the guys in the locker room are really high on him. So I guess Darnold didn't get the memo about the tanking thing, right? Because he wanted to win this thing, it seemed like, and fans were kind of split on that. The Jets now at number four in the draft order, and we'll get back to that in a second. But Sam Darnold already showing that he's a fierce competitor and that losing, no matter what his own individual accomplishments are, is not going to be acceptable to him. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he, he is, I think that's what the, the good guys say otherwise would be disappointing as a fan. I mean, it, you want the players to say those sort of things as, as a fan, certainly. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't think he, he looks at it as callously, you know, cynically as some fans and reporters do about what's at stake here. I think, you know, he gets disappointed. And obviously, I know he gets disappointed any time the game loses. And there's certainly things he could have done better in, in spots, but, um, it was mainly, what, the Jets defense, again, mainly a fault for, you know, melting in the fourth quarter again. I mean, a 15-point lead with basically 12 minutes left, and they can't hold on. We're going to get back to the defense and some of the penalties in just a second, but first, sticking with Darnold and Aaron Rodgers, who he played against. My whole rationale for wanting to go to this game was because I felt that this could be a momentous occasion in the sense that Aaron Rodgers might have his very last game at MetLife Stadium against the Jets this day, which is more than likely going to happen because he would be 43 the next time that they would be scheduled to play again at MetLife. And it would be the first and possibly only time that Darnold and Rodgers would square off. It sounds like Rodgers, who got the best of Darnold this day, which I don't want to rub it in, Daryl, but I did predict that. I said that at the end I thought that it would come down to Rodgers. It came down to Rodgers and some help from the referees. We'll get to that in a second. But this sort of felt like a fight where the longtime champion is just barely able to hold off the young upstart. But afterwards, the longtime champion says, you know what, one day this young upstart is going to rule this division. It's not today, but it's going to be soon. And it seemed like Aaron Rodgers had that sentiment about Sam Darnold after the game. Yeah, he praised Sam Darnold just like J.J. Watt did last week after the Texans beat, uh, beat the Jets. And uh, he said he thinks that uh, just kind of paraphrasing that Donald has a bright future. He thinks he played really well in the game, which of course he did. And that he did a nice job of moving around and uh, and moving the pocket. So Aaron Rodgers is pretty high on what Jim Donald did. And he thinks that this next this group of young quarterbacks in the league could kind of be the next crop of guys. Just like his generation, uh, you know, the Rodgers generation, I guess Tom Brady sort of on the front of that, of that generation. But... Yeah, he's just older than Rodgers by a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, as Rodgers sort of enters the twilight of his career here, I think he definitely admires what Cam Donald has in terms of potential. Last thing before we move on to the defense, Daryl, it sure seemed like above all the things that we're saying about how Donald individually played well, he's really developing a chemistry with some of the pieces on that offense. Elijah McGuire is starting to blossom a little bit. And certainly Christopher Herndon and Robbie Anderson, right? Yeah, Robbie missed 140 yards, six off his career high, and uh, he talked a little bit more after the game about what he mentioned lately about how the, the chemistry is, is getting greater each and every week with Sam Donald. And, and Eli McGuire, of course, with two touchdowns was, was big, and uh, and Chris Herndon, 82 yards, which is 20 more, I believe, than what he had previously had for his highs, you know, with a rookie career high season, I think, deal. Uh, so... Some encouraging times there for the Jets with some some guys who look. I think Eli McGuire is ultimately a complimentary back. He's not a number one type, uh, but I mean, could be a legit tight end for the Jets for years to come potentially for a franchise that has not had a legit tight end in quite some time. So that that goes well, and then as does the fact that Rob Anderson will be back next year as a restricted free agent, surely. And uh, then most of the Jets will see you know if they can get something done with the long term if he keeps that up straight and she continues to perform well with the, the Robbie Anderson Donald guy. Uh, duo and the dynamic there could be a pr- productive one and then Chris Herndon as well you talk about a team that needs to improve its passing game and there are a couple of young guys there in Anderson and Herndon who could really help boost that along with Donald 
One guy who may or may not be here long term, there's been a lot of debate about that, is Leonard Williams because next year is the final year of his contract, his rookie contract, in fact, the five years they had picked up the option, which will pay him about $15 million this year. He didn't do himself any favors today getting himself ejected. What went on there? Yeah, so Leonard Williams got back his fourth of the year and his 16th of his career, I think. I think when the Jets drafted Leonard Williams, most people figured, and the Jets probably figured he would have more than 16 sacks through uh, four years, but here we are. Uh, and then he was ejected from the game near the end of the first half and throwing the punch of Brian Bulaga, the right tackle for the Packers, who was on the ground and there was some scrapping after the play. And Leonard Williams said, Bulaga said nothing to him. It was just the, the play got a little physical after the whistle. And, Leonard Williams let his emotions get the better of him, and he was apologetic after the game, but, you know, he threw a punch, and he got kicked out of the game, which is kind of uncharacteristic for kind of a mild bear guy, but a real low point for what's been a disappointing season, and, uh, you know, we talked about it before, I think the Jets just should see what they can get for Leonard Williams, because $14.2 million in a fifth-year option, fifth-year next year is, is too high for a guy who's just not been productive enough as a pass rusher. He's been probably average, just slightly above average, it's not like he's been a terrible player, uh, but he's not been good enough for the six overall pick, and, and especially with getting home on a lot of these sacks, uh, 16 for four years. So not good enough. Four this year, not good enough. And this is supposed to be a year where he blossomed and it hasn't happened. And today was a low point for him in terms of, uh, yeah, he did have a sack, but in terms of, you know, making just a super decision and not being there for his team down the stretch in the second half in overtime. So, I think, you know, the Jets should look around, see what they can get for him, and then maybe move him if they can get something good. But, you know, $14.2 million is, is, is a lot. Um, but the Jets do have the cap space. Uh, you know, they have $106 million in cap space, and Leonard Williams is factored into that, right? So if they cut him, which they probably are not going to do, probably shouldn't do, it's $120 million. So, I mean, how much cap space do you need? When you have that much room already, $14 million isn't that much, I guess. Certainly it would be... Uh, a gross overpayment for considering his services so far. Williams got ejected from this game, but he was hardly the only player on the Jets' defense to get himself into some sort of trouble. In fact, that Jets' secondary, which before the season was highly thought of, had a lot of trouble today, especially with penalties. Morris Claiborne, Tremaine Johnson. We saw Buster Screen getting penalties again, and he'd always been known as Buster Screen, the penalty machine. He lived up to that today. So let's talk about that a little bit. First, Daryl Morris Claiborne. He had some very unkind things to say about the referees, and I have a feeling he's going to get himself another fine. Yeah, well, I mean, Todd Bowles came out in this post-game press conference and just shredded the officiating. So he didn't care if he got fined. He just had 60 penalty yards on 72 yards. Uh, the penalty yardage count, I believe, is an all-time high for the Jets. And, uh, Bowles was, was furious about the officiating, and a guy who really doesn't say much in his press conference has said so much in this one that it's going to cost him quite a bit of money. Well, you know, I guess he's going to he sit around and do nothing for the next two years and get paid a lot of money. So, <laughs> he's going, so he can spare some of that buyout money if he has the right to believe. But, um, but yeah, so Bowles was, 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 was furious about it. But the officiating was basically gave his player's license to be the same. And Morris Claiborne called the officiating. Uh, bull crap, but to, uh, I guess to borrow a line from the Christmas story, except he didn't say crap. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I don't know if people are going to get that. I hope people get that. Uh, such a good movie. But yeah, so, Morris Claiborne came down hard in the officiating. Some of the other guys said they agree with both criticisms of the officiating, but Morris Claiborne was the most vocal, or at least the most colorful in his language. So, 
Um, yeah. Look, kicking penalties on a 72 yard, yeah, there were some questionable ones, I guess. The, the Jamal Adams pass interference in the end zone was questionable. The, the big one on Tremaine Johnson was not. He pushed him along the sideline, and Bowles was on the opposite sideline, and he ripped that call. I mean, it just comes out as weak, quite frankly. I mean, when you lose that game, to come out so vehemently against the officiating, when you didn't really have a great view on that call, and, and, and Tremaine Johnson pushed on that play. He definitely pushed. There's no doubt about it. Like, right? I mean, I, unless I you know, saw it totally wrong, I think everyone in the press box who had a decent view of it was in agreement. Bowles usually says on these things, like, I gotta look at the film, whatever, but, um, he did not. Uh, so he just came out guns blazing in the press conference. Players criticized the officiating as well, but sorry, but like, you know, when you knock down like that, it's not all the officiating. When you have 16 penalties for 172 yards, it's not all because the officials make bad calls at all. I mean, it, it, this team does not to close out wins. That's on Bowles. This team gets too many untimely penalties, um, even if some of them are questionable, and that's on Bowles. Now, this defense melts late in games. This is the third time in the last four games that they have blown a fourth-quarter lead loss. That's almost unfathomable. The fourth time overall this season. That's on Bowles. A guy who was supposed to be a defensive-minded head coach coming to the Jets, and he had a good defense since his first year. I've written in, and he said it over and over and over again. You know, unless his defense shows some progress in 2019, it's not going to matter a lick what Sam Donald has in terms of progress. Look at the Packers. They're having a terrible year. Aaron Rodgers is really good. He's put up really good numbers. You need to, to yes, the quarterback matters, and, and having a really good quarterback is important, but it's not everything. So the Jets have issues, especially defensively and especially being able to close out games. And Sam Donald playing well is not going to necessarily fix those issues. I would love to know what Tremaine Johnson had to say about that penalty, but apparently he didn't feel like talking to you guys. Yeah, total lack of accountability for a guy who's got $34 million up front and is going to get $45 million probably over the first three years of his contract, 2018 through 2020, uh, and has not performed well overall. He's done all right in spot, but overall he is not, he's not earned his money. And he had that pass after his penalty on the third and ten. It was like a 35-year penalty. It was definitely a penalty. But uh, everybody else stuck around the locker room and talked. Uh, and Jermaine Johnson walked right by a crowd of reporters and wouldn't answer any questions. That's the first time that's happened this year with anybody in this locker room. It was the game where Jamal Adams left the locker room. I can't remember what game it was. But, like, if you're talking about a situation where reporters, like, want to talk to a guy and, you know, because he was involved in a specific end-of-moment game, and that wasn't the case for Adams at in that game where he bolted the locker room, which, you know, is a cap that you should, should never do. Uh, but he's been accountable almost for the most part this year. All these guys are accountable after games. They all say, one, one player last week, and I won't say who, he's like, I don't want to talk. And the PR guy kind of said something to him, and he turned around and he talked. And, and he was apologetic for being so, for bristling at, at a reporter, you know, reporters. He's like, sorry. And when I told him, I said, oh my God, and he stayed and did the interview. I mean, this is the first time I can think of, I don't know, a lot. This doesn't happen typically in the NFL all that much. I mean, guys are accountable and they have to talk at their games and they're fine. Um, and I guess people can say reports are being cognizant about it. I don't really care. But like, sorry, but like, do you want your $72 million cornerback to be accountable or not accountable? Do you want it to and answer questions along with his teammates or do you want him to leave and like, leave his teammates to answer questions? What is a better sign for the health of your team? I don't know. I think that question pretty much answers itself. So, uh, yeah, he bolted and he didn't, he, you know, he didn't talk and 
No question about it. And at least if Tremaine Johnson were smart, he would come out and claim that he had some sort of injury he had to attend to to try and save face. At least that's what I would do. Although it sounds like there wasn't much going on in the injury realm for the Jets at the moment, right? Yeah, I guess his only injury was a bruised ego. I'm not really sure if it would have hurt him. Let's just stand around and just blandly answer questions from all of us, but whatever. I mean, he was plenty happy to stand around last week and, and talk, or a couple weeks ago when he, before when he talked, played well. But, uh, but yeah, no injuries at all, really, for the Jets. of significance in this game. She, she Packers got things up. Not sure he had about Quincy and Minimum for the finale. Uh, I'm sure he wants to get out there and put, put one more game on film. Being a contract year, it's been a rough year for him uh, because of those injuries. But he played well when he's been out there. So uh, I'm sure he'd love to get back. I don't know if it's happened for a Bell Week Jets team for a Bell Real quickly, Daryl, before we move on to the big rumors that are going on surrounding the Jets' coaching situation, which I'm sure didn't exactly sit well with Todd Bowles, on top of the fact that he was animated about the officiating in this game, the Jets, despite losing this game, ended up dropping in the draft position a little bit. Yeah, they entered the game third in the draft order. The Niners also lost, and uh, so the Jets and Niners are there at 4-11, but the schedule changes every week because it's based on the records of your opponents. So that changes every week. So every week, each, the record of every opponent the Jets played is going to change. So the Jets and Niners are, are paper thin close for the, for the third and fourth spot, with the Niners being third, Jets are fourth. Uh, so the Jets did drop because the Niners' strength of schedule is slightly weaker right now than the Jets. So the team with a slightly weaker strength of schedule which means the lower, the worst winning percentage of the opponent on that schedule uh, gets the preference. So it means essentially that you are worse against a worse schedule, if that makes sense. So, so the Niners are three, the Jets four, the Raiders two, and the NP, uh, the three and 12 uh, Cardinals are one. So the Raiders play Monday night. If they win, they drop into that four and 11 trio of teams with the, the Jets, Raiders, and the uh, 49ers. So, but if the Raiders do win on Monday night, that, that would bode well for the Jets. I think that it would look, looks like, based on the strength schedule, how things look, the Jets would be back up to three. The Raiders would go to two, and I think the Niners would go to five. Or the, uh, the, the Raiders would go to five, the Niners would go to two, the Jets would go to three. So they would be at three where they were entering week 16. So, uh, but let's see what happens on Monday night first. Uh, as of right now, the Jets are four. Uh, 
pick 14th I think he did okay yeah that's another good one yep exactly so the Jets are right now keeping a close eye on the San Francisco 49ers but it turns out they're keeping a close eye on their former head coach as well a report from pro football talk that the Jets are working to potentially try and contact Jim Harbaugh about their coaching vacancy once Todd Bowles is presumably let go at the end of the season also, another report by Pro Football Talk, this time Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio on the NBC Sunday Night Football show saying that the Ravens may have said that Harbaugh is staying as a way to let teams know that they're not letting him go and that if they want him, they have to give up some sort of draft compensation. Rumors are the Jets would be one of the teams that could be involved for his services if the Ravens are willing to entertain offers. So both Harbaugh brothers could potentially be in play for the Jets. What is your early sense on this, Daryl? So I'm going to be looking at the Ravens and John Harbaugh. First of all, uh, yeah, you, you have to trade a pick for him. Um, and what, so say this, I think he'd be a great option for the Jets. Now, they don't have a second-round pick. Would they be able to get him for just a third-rounder, or would they have to throw in something in the 2020 draft in addition to a third-rounder in 2019? Who would be asking I to give away a top-five pick for him? Uh, I think he would be a very good candidate. Then there's the possibility the Ravens actually do want to keep him, and then he does, and he does say they value him more than a third round pick. Uh, so I think yes, there's a possibility that he could be quote unquote traded. I suppose that that's possible. It could happen. Um, so I think that that, that that was a point that uh, that. Mike Floyer was raising that some teams might be interested. There's certainly going to be other teams besides the Jets who are looking for a head coach. The Dolphins look like they could be looking for one as well. So um, that's an interesting one. You know, what would you give up for a, a coach in a trade? And the Jets, what I think you mentioned for them, they got a fourth rounder for Herm Edwards, right? Yes. So they got a fourth rounder for Herm Edwards, and I would guess that they probably have to give up more to get, Jim, or to get John Arbaugh. Um, so then again, the Ravens could just could just keep him. But I think John Harbaugh would be a very good option for the Jets. I had him up as number one on this recent rankings thing for preferential coaches. Um, but you know, maybe the Ravens want to keep him, and uh, maybe the Jets don't want to give up what they would have to give up. Yeah, you know, they only would have to give up money if he was fired. But uh, you know, he's not getting fired. So the smart move by the Ravens to hang on to him, even if they really don't intend to hang on to him, if that makes sense. In terms of Jim Harbaugh, I mean, you and I, before we went on here, talked about it for a long time, so I'll try to see if I can distill it. Um, in early December, he said, on the record, that he was standing in the in Michigan, which is all the water. He's got a good situation, and it's like $7 million a year. So he's in a good position, right? And so you can't, from the Jets' perspective, you can't blame him for trying. 
go try to get a proven head coach, a guy who's won in college and the NFL, a guy who's an offensive minded coach. Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh checks all those boxes. Uh, so from the Jets' perspective, why not give it a shot? It can't hurt. You don't get, you don't, nothing is hurt by just you know, looking into it or taking a shot. Now, you have to pay him a lot of money. He makes $7 million a year. You have to pay him probably $10 million. You also might have to give him full control over the organization, which is what he wanted in San Francisco before he left. So, in that case, you're going to have to basically fire or completely neuter Mike McCagney. You're going to want to do that. Jim Harbaugh has never done a GM type role. He's never run an organization in terms of an NFL organization. Did the Jets trust him to do that? Um, would Harbaugh be willing to come to the Jets if he didn't have full control? Uh, how much more money would it take on top of the seven million you're making for the Jets to get up? Uh, and then there's the fact that, you know, the Jets is not, are not a sure thing situation. Yeah, Sam Donald's promising, but, yeah, they are a lot of pieces away, it looks like. It would be a risk. You know, would he want to leave his alma mater and burn a bridge in a, in a ridiculous way, considering what he said earlier this month, because it's National Signing Day, for all intents and purposes of college football, no longer happened in February. It happens in, in, uh, I guess late November, early December, right? The early signing day is the actual signing day now. So he says before this, before that, that he was staying in Michigan and then all these rumors about him leaving are supply that come up around signing day, right? So he signs all these kids and then he's going to leave in early January and then all modern and completely destroy his reputation there. Uh, in a place where he's got a good thing going, he could be a coach for a long time. It's a lot of talent. Urban Myers leaving Ohio State, got a chance to beat Ohio State again, got a chance to build a national championship together. Is he going to leave that situation and completely burn that bridge and come to a team where it's not a sure thing that he's going to come to a ready-made winner? Uh, you know, why would Harbaugh want to come back? I mean, he's already lost in a Super Bowl, right? So the next destination for him that he comes up in the NFL should be a place where he could win multiple Super Bowls if you're going to burn that type of bridge in Michigan. I don't. From the Jets' perspective, you don't blame him for trying. From Harbaugh's perspective, I think it would be completely insane on so many levels to do to do it. Um, unless the Jets give him full organizational control, which, as I said, could be a little bit of a risk considering he's never done it before. So that's my. I tried to distill it as much as I could, but I think that's my thoughts on where where all that stands with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about it. I think Harbaugh would be crazy to do it unless, and I'm going to take it a step further than you, Daryl, because even with full organizational control, he's got such a sweet gig at Michigan, and he makes so much money. It's his alma mater. Unless something goes completely haywire there, he's pretty much guaranteed a job there for as long as he wants it. So I would say that if I'm Harbaugh, the only way I would even consider doing it is if I got some sort of small equity piece in the team. I doubt the Jets are going to be willing to do that. But listen, like you said, and I've said this many times, I'm of the mindset of make them tell you no. So if there's a guy that you want, even if he seems unobtainable on the surface, go ask him, make him your best offer. And if he says no, he says no. As far as John Harbaugh, I feel the same way. But I will say this, as much as his brother Jim, I'm sure, does not have any desire to answer to Mike McCagnin, I can't imagine that John Harbaugh, who would also have many, many options, were he available, is going to want to answer 
to Mike McCagnin either. So that's a situation where if you even get permission to talk to Harbaugh and facilitate some sort of trade in order to convince him to come here, you'd probably have to start with, okay, we'll get rid of Mike McCagnin and let you pick your own guy or give you full control or whatever it is. And then there's also the price that you would have to pay the Ravens. I suppose you could make a case that it would be worth it to give up maybe one of those extra third rounders this year or even a number two next year. I don't know whatever you think the reasonable price is. I think, though, realistically looking at all the things that we said, both of them are long shots. That said, I would look into both of them strongly and see what it would take because you got nothing to lose. And that's really where I'm at with it. I think it's unrealistic, but give it a shot. Yeah, I think it's a good point on the trade thing. It's not like when a player gets traded and he has to go to a new team. Like, it's not like the Ravens can just trade John Harbaugh and he's forced into servitude for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, you raise a good point. Like, he would have to want to be employed by this team. Like, you know, like, he can't just, he's under contract guaranteeing him money from the Ravens. That's the, that's the thing. He's going to have a lot of coaching contracts to guarantee the player contracts are not, largely. Uh, uh, but yeah, he would have to want to go to the place. Otherwise, he could just say, "Okay, well, just fire me and pay me the money if you don't want me around, and you're not going to get a draft pick back." So it can't. The Jets cannot force, you know, the Ravens cannot force John Harbaugh to go work for the Jets. So uh, that's a good point. Yeah, he, does he want to come work for Mike McCagnum? Does he want his own control, um, or would he rather work for a fresh start GM? Because I think, as we mentioned here, I did a little thing about why the job is or isn't attractive on Saturday. And, you know, one of those things being Mike McKenna's contract is up after 2020. So he's got two years left in his contract going into in the next season, number one. And, and if the Jets stay in next season, he could be gone. The new coach could be looking at coming in and coaching one year under a GM who, quote, unquote, contributed to hiring him. And I'm sure if McKenna stays on some stay in hiring. And then, then, he, then maybe he's working for a new GM in 2020. So... There's not going to ever be a perfect situation for a coaching, uh, for a coach to come into when a team is bad enough that they're losing and they're firing the coach, right? The previous coach. There's always going to be some problems. So, uh, I think you just have to look at it as a candidate and say, where's the grass greener? And quite frankly, I don't see how John Arbaugh, I think he could be very selective, right? So why would he come to a situation where, yes, there's a quarterback, but there's just a lot of problems, not just in terms of the roster. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, though, it's going to be something that'll be interesting for us to talk about. So in that sense, I'm glad that these rumors broke right around now because once the regular season is over, the hot stove for the coaching candidates is going to kick into high gear. We will have lots to talk about, presumably including the Harbaugh brothers. But before then, we've got one last game. It's coming up at Gillette Stadium against New England, the finale on Sunday. We'll talk about that on Friday when we do our pregame report. Daryl, thanks so much for hopping on. And before we get to where people can find you and where they can read your work in Matt Stiblikowski, I just wanted to say... Again, I'm really glad that you began doing these podcasts with me. It's been so much fun. And more importantly than that, Daryl, Merry Christmas to you, your wife, your parents, your entire family. It's been a pleasure getting to talk to you two times a week during the season. And I hope your holiday season is outstanding. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me on here. It's been always fun. Ten years all Merry Christmas to you and your family. And to everyone out there, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Merry Christmas to everybody. So... Uh, yeah, uh, one more game left. Crazy. She's even gone by fast, but certainly a lot of action to talk about come, come December 31st when Todd Bowles will be fired and, uh, the coaching search will begin. 
Absolutely, but before then, we've got the holidays, we've got the Patriots game, it's all going to be a lot of fun, and there's going to be plenty to talk about, especially now with these Harbaugh rumors. They can hear about it, of course, on these podcasts, but also they can read about it with you and Matt Stivalkowski up at NJ.com. What do you have planned down the pike over the next couple days with the holidays and all? Yeah, I've got a few things, uh, one of them being one of the Jets can become a playoff game in 2019 is obviously a big checklist, so we got that coming up later this week, um, and uh, that marijuana survey that we talked about last time we spoke uh, about uh, where, where uh, what players said about legalized weed in New Jersey, uh, and, and a few other items sort of forward-looking as the Jets uh, try to turn themselves into a winner, and then that's Matt, I think, should have by now probably put up something on the on the Jim Harbaugh uh, stuff that Pro Football Talk reported. So, and remember, I mean, like it just the, the report was just that the Jets are going to try to talk to Jim Harbaugh, and does you know they can they can try all they want if he doesn't want the job, <laughs> or, his demand, or, or if his demands are, are considered unreasonable by ownership. So. Thanks, Daryl. Looking forward to talking to you on Friday again. Merry Christmas. And thank you for listening. Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. From all of us here at TurnOnTheJets.com, in fact, and we're going to have a very special Christmas Day episode where you're going to hear from all of us at TurnOnTheJets.com and what we would give to you, the Jets fans, as a Christmas present if we were Santa and could deliver any present to you. So looking forward to that. In the meantime, don't forget to visit Daryl and Matt over at NJ.com. A lot of great Jets content to get you through this holiday season. And for all the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.